Hey, we live in a time where anxiety is at an all-time high. Um, I don't think I have to convince you today uh, that people are nervous about the future, um, and I'm sure you are as well. But God has something to say to us about living a life of peace. Um, we need peace in our life. I, I've titled the message, Increase the Peace, because we need more peace in our culture. We need more peace in our city. We need more peace in our families. We need more peace in our lives. And uh, the uncertainty, the anxiety um, that surrounds us can be devastating and overwhelming. In fact, uh, more than one-third of all Americans say that the coronavirus is having a serious impact on their mental health. Um, 59% uh, feel coronavirus is having a serious impact on their day-to-day -day lives. And most adults are concerned that the uh, pandemic will have serious negative impacts on their finances. And about half of all Americans are worried about running out of food or supplies or, or medicine or, or whatever it may be. Needless to say, we need to talk about peace because peace is in a great shortage today. And I'm so grateful that the Bible has so much instruction to give to us about peace. I want you to turn to a book of the Bible that often is overlooked. It's the book of 2 Thessalonians. And uh, we ought to say that all out loud together with your mask on. How about that? Second. Very good. Yeah, if you have a lisp, it's kind of hard. Um, if you don't have a lisp, you, you might gain a lisp by, by trying to say Thessalonians. I, I, get, I struggle a little bit with that. But it's a great book of the Bible. Chapter 3, verse 16 um, is the verse we're going to look at. And uh, the book of 2 Thessalonians is a great book of the Bible because um, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church that he cares a lot about. And people are being persecuted. And so they, they, have, they have anxiety. Amen. Um, probably more than anxiety about the coronavirus. They, get, they, got, they got anxiety about people losing their lives and being arrested and, and beaten and whatnot. But then people are also confused about the second coming of Jesus. And uh, one of the most famous verses in 2 Thessalonians is the verse where Paul says, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And what was happening in the church was that some people had quit working because they were so excited about the second coming of Christ, they just thought, hey, forget it, man. Let's just sit around and play video games today and wait for Jesus to come back, and then we'll mooch some food off everybody, and it'll be great, right? And Paul's like, no, 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 it don't work like that. <laughs> so um, there's, there's, there's theological confusion, there's doctrinal confusion, there is, there is the anxiety of the persecution of the church, and so Paul's trying to bring some peace into a difficult situation. He wraps up the whole letter in verses 16 to 18 of chapter 3. And we're going to look right there. Because the first thing I want you to see is that God is the Lord of peace. And he says, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with all of you. And so God is the God of peace. Amen. Come on, the Lord is the God of peace. I mean, God is a God of peace. Sometimes people are like, oh yeah, God, he's the God of regulations, right? He's the God of rules, you know? Yeah, God is the one who's like waiting to get us when we make a mistake. Yeah, that's the Lord. Um, 2 Thessalonians says he's the God of peace. Who is the Lord? He, 
He's the God of peace. God and peace go together in the same sentence. And one of my favorite examples of this is over in the book of Judges, chapter 6. Um, a guy named Gideon. Gideon is, uh, he's freaking out. He's got some anxiety. He's got some, he's got some fear. Um, the Midianites have overrun the Israelites. People are being raped. They're being killed. They're being stolen from. The Israelite people are like hiding in, you know, caves and under rocks and things like that. And so Gideon is is threshing grain in a wine press. And a wine press is usually a sunk down place where you step on the grapes and make wine. But you thresh grain where the wind can blow, like on the top of a mountain or a hill or someplace where it's windy. Because what you do is you, you, you throw the, the grain into the air and the wind separates the shaft from the seed. So, so Elijah's doing things, I mean, excuse me, uh, Gideon is doing things the hard way. Right? He, he's trying to thresh wheat in a wine press. He's hiding. He's afraid for his life. He can't go to the normal place. And then all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appears to him and he says, Hey, listen, I want you to go attack Midian. And, and, and furthermore, the, the, the angel of the Lord says, Hey, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, I don't see any mighty warriors around here. I'm not feeling so mighty. You know, I don't know if, if you've ever felt that way before. Like the task that's before you is, is so much greater than maybe what your capacity is. Like, I'm not a mighty warrior. I mean, who are you joking with? And, and uh, the angel of the Lord says to him, you know, you're going to be victorious and you're not going to die. And Gideon all of a sudden gets some confidence in his life. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to build a little altar for the Lord. And he named the place Jehovah Shalom, meaning the Lord is peace. Because God brought peace into his life even though he had a battle. See, here's the confusion that we have. Sometimes we think that if I have a battle, I can't have peace. But you can have peace when you're in the middle of a battle when you know the Lord is with you. The Lord is our peace. He is our peace. That's who he is. The Lord is our peace. And Gideon began to see that. And uh, you look throughout the scriptures and, and oftentimes the New Testament letters are wrapped up describing God as the God of peace. The Apostle Paul writing in Romans 16 Verse 20 says, The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And then uh, Hebrews 13, 20 to 21. Now may the God of peace, who is through the blood of the eternal covenant, be brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you. So we see that, that, that God is the God of peace. And, and one of the reasons God is the God of peace, it says here that Jesus is the shepherd and he's the one that's leading and equipping us and directing us and, 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 and so forth and so on. But Gideon gets this one word from God. I want you to see this. One word from God changed Gideon's existence. When the angel of the Lord said, you know, Gideon, you're going to win the battle and you're not going to die. Gideon was like, okay, I got some peace in my life. And he goes out and he has an army of 300 and he fights Midian with more than 100,000 and he defeats them. And when you read the story, he, he, he actually defeats them with an army that didn't have a sword or a spear or a shield. They, they were equipped with a trumpet, with a torch, and a clay pot. How's that, how's that for a recipe for victory, right? <laughs> yeah. 
But the Lord worked and the Lord moved. And one word from God changed Gideon's life. I believe this one word from God in your life can change the direction that you're going. Sometimes you don't need a thesis or a research paper. Sometimes you just need one word from God. Sometimes when you're reading the scripture or you're at church or maybe the Holy Spirit just impresses something on you, it's, it's that one word. It's stay. It's fight. It's pray. It's believe. It's run. It's a whole host of things. Just one word. Man, I believe today that God's bringing some peace into your life as you get some clarity on the direction that he has for you. The Lord is the God of peace. Now, God has a lot of names all throughout the Bible. If you want to understand God's character, you, you look at his names. Because in the Old Testament, when, they wanted to, when, when people began to experience different attributes, different aspects of God, they would give him a name, Jehovah, and then they would like what we would call a hyphenate, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. But God has a lot of names. God is multidimensional. You cannot understand God with just one name. He's too big. But the names that were given to God described many of his attributes. So the Lord is my peace. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23 says, because he guides and directs us. The Lord protects me. The Lord is my protector. And on and on and on. There's many, many names for God. Um, when I was uh, a kid, my dad used to call me Bubba. That was my nickname. I don't know if I look like a Bubba. I never understood why my dad called me Bubba. I've never driven a truck in my entire life. And I haven't had buck teeth in a long time. And I just haven't been called. But my dad called me Bubba. Names tell us something about somebody. I love NBA nicknames. I think the NBA has the greatest nicknames. I just, I love, I love to think about my favorite players and their nicknames because it tells you something about them, right? Like um, Air Jordan. What does that tell you about him? He's soaring through the air, right? You just think about Jordan with those, those classic dunks where he just effortless, effortlessly glides through the air. Um, how about Charles Barkley? That's one of the best ones. The round mound of rebound, right? Barkley was kind of chubby and he liked to rebound. So he was the round mound. That tells you something about him. They didn't call Jordan the round mound of rebound. Uh, King James, basketball royalty. LeBron James, Dr. J. How about that? He had a PhD in basketball. Some great names. They called Gary Payton, the, 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 the little guard, they called him the glove because he played such great defense. He was like all NBA first team defense nine times. He just shut people down, the glove. Well, each one of those names tells you something about the player. And the names of God tell us something about his attributes. And the Lord is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. God is peace. And listen, because he is peace, he can give that peace to us. If peace was not part of God's nature and his character, he would have nothing to impart to us. But because he is peace, he has something to share with you. And that brings us to our second thing. The Lord gives me peace. I mean, the Lord gives me peace. L look at the verse again. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace. 
Now, before we get to that, though, I want to hit the himself thing because God gives us himself and he gave us himself in the person of Jesus, the only begotten of the father, his, his one and only son who died on the cross and rose from the grave on the third day. And uh, God gave himself. God did not, does not send us peace by others or by things, but by himself. If you want to really get the power of peace, you need God. You need the Lord. You need the Lord in your life. Um, but the Lord gives me peace. Now, here's a great definition of peace. It's an inner stillness that comes by the Holy Spirit as we trust in the Lord. And the concept of peace in the Old and New Testaments tended to communicate things like this. Wholeness, welfare, tranquility, harmony, completeness, and prosperity. Those are, the, those are the words that would describe somebody that had peace. Sometimes we think of peace as just not being anxious. But, but, but the Hebrew concept of it was like wholeness. In other words, there wasn't like a hole in your heart. You, 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 you had kind of a, um, a togetherness, um, so to speak, a foundation in your life. And this comes from God. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Um, we need the peace of God. We need God's peace. Now, why do we not have peace? If God wants us to have peace, why do we not experience it more? Because many times it's the brokenness in our own life. Many of us have been lied to. We've been abused. We've been hurt. We've been betrayed. We've been taken advantage of. And as a result, we have brokenness in our lives. You know, what a great opportunity, what a great invitation for God to come into our lives and to do something so beautiful. Something so beautiful. God is in the business of healing broken lives and broken hearts. When I was a senior in high school, my dad left our family and I was devastated. I was a broken 18-year-old boy, a senior in high school. Terrible. You know what? But I began to experience the peace of God. Wow. Sometimes it's in those moments of uncertainty and anxiety that God does his richest work within us. We begin to experience peace that the book of Philippians says passes all understanding. Like it's kind of hard to understand it. It's kind of hard to even articulate it and to put it into words. But, but if you've ever been there and you've ever known it before, whoo, it's powerful. And so we don't have peace because we're wounded, but it is in our wounds that we find the peace of God. We need God. Our wounds should make us turn and say, you know what, I need the Lord. Shouldn't it? Sometimes people get wounded and they're like, I need myself. No, no, no. I'm wounded. I need God. My heart is broken. I'm hurting. I'm, I'm devastated. Where do I turn? I need the Lord of peace. I need the Lord. I need God. Maybe you come here today because you need the Lord. You're in a great place. You're in a great place. Whew. Now, Jesus talked about this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives, but don't let your hearts be troubled and fearful. 
Now, you know, it's easy to read that and say, okay, Jesus, thank you. You know, don't be troubled and don't be fearful. But you don't know what I'm dealing with. I mean, if Jesus was looking at my life, he wouldn't say, don't be fearful, don't be troubled. But before that, he says, don't, he, before he says, don't be fearful and don't be troubled, he says, I give you peace, but not as the world gives peace. What is the world's peace? The world's peace is a veneer. The world's peace is something that is circumstantial. You know, if I can just get the crazy people out of my life, I will have peace. If I could just get the promotion at work, I would have peace. If I just had a little bit more money, I would have peace. If, if my spouse wasn't so crazy, I would have peace. If my kids would just behave and make good grades at school and stay out of trouble, I would have peace. That's the world's peace. God's peace, God's peace is something that is spiritual, something that surpasses circumstances. And here's what's so amazing. When God is in your life, you can have terrible circumstances and you can have amazing peace. Do you know that? It's like two totally conflicting ideas. People are like, well, how is that even possible? How can you have peace when you're going through hardship? Listen, your life will never be perfect. I don't think there's ever been a time in my life that I felt great about job, finances, family, future, health, all at one time. There's always something. A fire is always burning somewhere, isn't it? You get one fire out and then another one cranks up, you know? You get your finances a little bit better in order and now you got a health crisis and you, then you get your health better and then, and then some family problems arise. And I mean, it's, if we're going to wait till everything gets quote unquote perfect to have peace, we're going to be chasing something that doesn't even exist. But the power of God in your life can give you peace in the middle of a storm. That's why Jesus was on the boat with the disciples and there was a massive storm and Jesus is sleeping in the boat and the disciples are freaking out. And even though some of them were fishermen and they had traveled the Sea of Galilee and they knew about boats and storms and all that, but they're panicked. And they wake Jesus up and Jesus stands up and he looks at the waves and he says, peace, be still. And the winds and the waves go silent. Two miracles. It's amazing. That's the power of God. Jesus has the ability to bring peace in the middle of storms. That's who he is. And God wants you to know this great God. It is not a superficial peace. The peace of the world says, I got to get it all together first. But that'll never happen. And if that's the thing that brings peace, we're all in trouble. We're all in trouble. Uh, this week I was uh, over at REI. I was buying my wife a birthday present. And when I was waiting in line, they had some of those little energy chews. Do you guys ever eat those? They taste like gummy bears. And I, I usually don't eat stuff like that. It's like very uncharacteristic of me. But I grabbed some. They look kind of good. And I opened them up in the car driving home. And I wasn't thinking about it. I started eating them like candy at a movie. You know, have you ever just been there eating hot tamales 
and you're just eating them and you don't even know. And then you finish the whole box off and you're like, I just ate that whole box and you didn't think about it. So I had like three or four of the energy chews and I'm starting to like get the jitters and the shakes and I'm like yelling at my kids and I'm driving like a maniac and I'm like, ah, you know. And about 30 minutes later, I totally crashed and I went to bed at 7.30 that night. I just thought, what was that? I looked it up. Each one of the chews has 50 milligrams of caffeine. Can you believe that? And what wasn't caffeine was sugar. <laughs> oh my goodness, I, I felt like a crazy man. It was a sugar high that felt good for a moment, but then it left me empty. I think that's what the world promises us. A high high, but then there's a deep crash. Jesus brings consistency. The peace that he brings is not something that, it's not the world's peace. It's something that's more profound. It's, it's, it's deeper than all of that. It's the real deal. It's no fake. My brother and sister-in-law lived in uh, New York City for some time, and my sister-in-law always wanted to have a Louis Vuitton purse. And, you know, a good Louis Vuitton purse, I'm told, could, you could spend $1,500 to $2,000. Is that right? Can I get a witness? Yeah. And so one day she was buying some shades from a little vendor on the street, and he whispered under his breath, do you want a Louis Vuitton? She was like, yes. So he says, follow me. So he follows her like down the street and then down an alley and then in a door down to a basement. She's like, this guy's going to kill me. He's going to take my life. Okay, this is shady. She gets in the room and there's all these Louis Vuitton bags all over the wall. You know, and they got the price tags on them. There's the $30 ones. There's the $40 ones. There's the $50 ones. And, and she's like, wow, this is my chance. Louis Vuitton, this is so great. So she buys one and she takes it home. And I mean, she is strutting that thing like the next day all over the streets of NYC. She's looking so good, her Louis Vuitton bag. She's thinking, I got to get some matching shoes and, you know, all that. And well, a couple weeks later, the logo begins to fall off and the bag begins to kind of disseminate. It was held together with this cheap glue, you know, and it was pretty obvious it was a total fake. She thought she was getting something, but it really wasn't that. It was a scam. It was a fake. Let me tell you, man, th 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 there's a scam when it comes to peace. There's a fake. Get all your circumstances perfect, and then you'll have peace. But you know, the truth is you can't even control all your circumstances. If you could have controlled your circumstances, you would have already fixed everything. Amen? What we need is God's divine peace. Divine peace. One that comes from God. One that doesn't give us a sugar high or one that is not um, promising something that it's really not. It's not a scam. Jesus is not a scam. And the world's peace masks so many symptoms. But Jesus' peace, on the other hand, offers us a surgery for the deep issues of our heart. 
And he says there in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, May the Lord of peace himself give you peace when? Look at it, always. Amen? Always. I mean, check it out, man. The Lord gives peace not some of the times. It's not like, you know, the Lord gives me peace when I got this kind of problem, but not that kind of problem. We forget this, don't we? We're like, if I've got really small problems, the Lord gives me peace. If, oh, I got a massive problem, God can't deal with that. That's too great for God. But he says, always. Listen, you can turn to the Lord for peace no matter what's going on in your life. He is always there in every way. The Lord gives peace and he gives peace in all circumstances. You may be broke and you can have peace. You can have cancer, you can have peace. You can be betrayed and hurt and yet you can still have peace. Because he says in every circumstance, in every way, in every way. Peace when you fall short. Peace when you feel like you don't have what it takes. Peace when you are uncertain. So let's break down a couple of situations here because the Lord is our peace even in hardships. What well, one would be in the middle of anxiety, okay, when I'm anxious. And I mentioned Philippians 4, 6, and 7, but let's look at it here. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. And tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So he says, listen, if you're anxious, you got two things. Number one, you ought to pray about it. Because when you pray about things, you give those things to God. God, here's my burden. Let me take that backpack off. I'm going to give that to you. Prayer. Then he says, thanksgiving. Now that's kind of interesting. Because thanksgiving is not normally something that I associate with peace. But I think what the Apostle Paul is communicating to us is when you develop a heart of gratitude, it actually makes you more joyful. So we ought to be telling God thank you for the blessings that he's given to us. And by the way, God's probably blessed you more than you've told him and more than you've even acknowledged. So, so we ought to practice thanksgiving. You know, Lord, thank you for what you've done. He says, thank him for all that he's done. And listen, when you begin to get your heart set on thanksgiving, it gets your mind off of your problems, by the way. So prayer and thanksgiving when I'm anxious. Prayer and thanks. And he says, it's a peace that passes all understanding. It, 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 it kind of exceeds um, our comprehension. Like, how did I get this peace? Well, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Your faith is in Jesus. God's working and moving in your life. Yes, things are difficult. You're not living in denial that you have hard, hard things that you're facing and you're making difficult choices. But, but you know that God's with you. And you have a peace that passes all understanding. And one of the greatest measures of spiritual maturity is our ability to have peace during all circumstances. How about when I'm irritated? When I'm irritated in all circumstances, right? You, I can have peace even when I'm irritated. Now he's talking about people in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Work at living in peace with everyone. Okay, some of you are so happy that you're working from home during the pandemic because you don't have to see all those crazy people at the office, right? Okay, here's your word. Work at living 
in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. So holy living and pursuing peace with others are mentioned in the same verse. It's amazing how they go together. And we got to try to get along with the people that are difficult at times. But when you have the peace of Christ in your life, guess what? You're more accepting and you're more tolerant of difficult people. That's why in the office, if you're a follower of Jesus, you ought to be the most tolerant, the most flexible, the most gracious person in your place of employment because, because you have the peace of God. And when the peace of God's in your life, you're more tolerant of difficult people. How about when I'm distracted? Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All those thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is an eternal rock. So when I'm distracted, how do I have peace? I got to get my mind focused on the things of God. Now, I love this verse because he, he uses the, the phrase there, perfect peace. And in the Hebrew language, this is, these words are used, shalom, shalom. It's an intensifier. It's two words that are repeated back to back. And what the writer is trying to communicate to us is it's not just like normal peace, but it is perfect peace, powerful peace, mega peace, abundant peace, amazing peace, peace that passes all understanding kind of peace. Shalom, shalom. You will keep in perfect peace who? All who trust in you. So we got to trust in the Lord. When I'm distracted, when I've got ADD, when I'm thinking about all my problems, i got to get my mind fixed on the things of God. You know, all those who are fixed on you. To fix something means to attach it permanently. And so we got to get our mind fixed on God. Our mind fixed on trusting God. So what happens is we have this thought, it comes in. I'm, it's going to get bad. It's going to get worse. I'm going to fail. I don't have what it takes. Oh, but wait a second. God's with me. God's for me. God's within me. Through the power of his spirit. Um, God's never going to leave me or forsake me. And I get my mind fixed on the things of God. So that when these thoughts begin to enter in, I begin to rebound. And I begin to get my mind fixed on the things of God. That's how it works. So when I'm distracted, when I'm distracted, this, the, the, the Hebrew word for mind and thoughts means a tendency of the mind, which we translate mindset or frame of mind. So it's talking about like, what's your mindset? Do you have a negative mindset or do you have a positive mindset? If you have a negative mindset, your heart is not on the things of God. If the glass is always half empty and, and you always think the worst and it's bad and it's going to get worse and you're always upset and frustrated, it's a mindset issue. Get your mind fixed on the things of God. Fix your mind. You know, we need to fix, fix our mind. We need to get fixed. Amen? Some of us have cats and dogs and cats and dogs get fixed. Some of us need to get fixed in our mind, right? Get our mind fixed on God, the things of God. It's our mindset. And mindset. Don't get distracted. Set your mind on the things that matter. We need to break up with bad thoughts. 
Now, bad mindsets are kind of like bad relationships. If you've ever been dating somebody that you thought was a bigger blessing to you than they really were, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Because breaking up with bad thoughts is like breaking up with a bad girlfriend. She shows up stalking you around. There's something about her that's appealing and yet it's destructive. You think things will get better with time. Just give her some more time. You think you should give her another chance. Everyone else sees it but you. You don't realize how much she was bringing you down until she was gone. We need to break up with some bad mindsets. It's over. Break up with that bad thinking. You'll miss her at first, but guess what? You'll be so much better off. Because <laughs> she won't be stalking you down. So when I'm anxious, when I'm irritated, when I'm distracted, I got to get my mind focused on the Lord. Your peace in every way. And then the final thing that he says here, look at this very quickly. The Lord be with all of you. In other words, the Lord gives peace to all. Now look at that. Do you see the word all there? Guess what that means? That means all. Yeah, everyone who's in Christ can have peace in their life. You know, really smart people can have peace and people that are not so smart. People that are going through really bad circumstances and people that their life's actually going pretty well for them right now. You can have peace. He says, the Lord be with all of you. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way to all of you. And peace is for all of us, man, today. Broken people, together people. Scared people, courageous people. It's for all of us. There's no fine print. There's no application process. You don't have to pre-qualify. There's no waiting period. When you get your mind focused on God, guess what? His peace is going to fill your heart. Now, how does this peace begin? It begins by beginning this spiritual journey with Jesus Christ and by asking him into your heart and into your life. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus died on a cross he rose from the grave on the third day and he did so because he loved you. And all that will call on his name will be made new. And that's our, that's our powerful hope today is that we have a spiritual relationship with God in and through his person and in, in, in through his son, Jesus. And I wanna lead you today in a prayer. And in, in this prayer, you'll be saying, hey, I wanna invite Jesus Christ to come into my life. It's the greatest prayer of all the greatest prayer that we can ever pray. But before we get to that, I want to just pray for you today.